All right, real quick. We recorded once. Something awful in the news happened. Pick one. We were... The recording was super bummed out. Um, we recorded again. It saved all of our audio as a video with no sound. So, welcome to Take Three, everybody. Memory in Black. An excerpt from Larisha Hawkins. Dear America, my memory is a shade of obsidian, a black blot against a chalk-white historical backdrop, but I trust memory over history. I view memory and history not as a dialectic, like faith and doubt, sacred and secular, but rather as two warring, dissoluble factions, forever opposed, not as poles but as enemies, fighting for the souls of individuals and institutions, people, and nations. This is Mindful Groving. Meow, meow. Slop on my knob. Like Cornith on the Cobbeth. Or. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Check in with me. And do your job. Wait, let's try the thing. You gotta say it after I say it. Oh, God. Ready? Oh, wait. If you... Whatever. We're gonna figure it out. There's gonna be a piano and everything to it. (laughs) Here we go. Hello there. Hello there. How are you? How are you? (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) To see you. To see you. We'll sing and... We'll sing and be happy, be happy that we're all here together, that we're all here together. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Mindful Grooving, and you're welcome for what you just heard. Um, I'm Brittany Harlan, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Sarah Mislanka, your other co-host. How's it going? Me, how's it going? Or yeah. them, how's it going? Should we wait for them to reply? Yeah, like kind of like Dora the Explorer. How are you? We're staring into the retina. What? How are you? I mean, no. no, but I'm good. I'm sufficiently caffeinated. I got a nosh board going. Can't complain. Yep. How are you? Delicious nosh. Meow. Shiz. Noshes. S sounds are hard for me. I'm good. Um, you know, I came from work. You fed me. Gave me coffee, which was great. Important. Uh, you know, <laughs> very important. It was a long day of work. I had a top secret uh, mission and I just got back yesterday from that top secret mission. Um, top but I don't look like 
like Tom Cruise at the end of like Mission Impossible. I've never seen that movie, but I assume. I'm really that glad you like don't Bruce. look like Tom Cruise. Yeah, I'm in One Piece. Thank you. I guess is the moral of my my awkward um, connection. No one's Anyways. awkward. What are you talking about? <laughs> Shut up, ne- gosh. Never awkward. Ooh, but um, here we are <laughs> recording. Yeah, it's again. it's technically episode two, right? But if you guys, you know, if you look back a little bit, we did a mini sode. A mini sode on body scanning. Body yeah. scan. We scanned the bods. Our own. And, you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep going with that. And so that's your little cheat code. If you're just going into mindful grooving land and you're like, give me the full situation, um, those are our full episodes. And if you're just like I need an exercise to regulate my situation. Um, that's that's gonna be what all the minisodes are about. So, so yeah. So after <laughs> this drops, expect a minisode that uh is like a little uh, cheat sheet away from what we did and what we're gonna do at the end of today's episode. For sure. But anyhoozles, why are we here today, Sarah? Why did we congregate? question time and creativity what is the significance of time on your personal creativity however you define the words well creativity or else I'm going to combust. 
and I need my creativity to allow my my soul to feel rested, my brain to feel rested, my emotions to like have an outlet to get rid of my gunk. Yeah. What about you, Brittany? Well, um, I definitely resonate. The way that I approached it is more, I don't know, the, the practical what's in front of me of it all, like the obvious. So when I think of time in relation to creativity, I think of um, my time throughout Earth and, you know, the ages in which I started things and how long I've been doing one thing, and, you know, which admittedly it hasn't been the best way because it's you know if you listen at all to the community outside of you it's like it's very limiting it's all these messages of in order to be a real one you have had to especially with creative things and i'm sure athletic too like if you haven't started when you were this age um you're not real and we can't take you seriously. Um, so me being a multidisciplinary artist who can only claim, you know, via the virtue of doing it uh, since I was a little one, I can only claim one or two things, right? So when I'm, you know, reaching out, let's say, in the whatever type of creative writing or, you know, maybe I want to do something visual um, outside of performance and it comes to art, it seems very... Um, limited by time so my relationship with it isn't I feel like I don't really have a relationship with it it's more of how can I do this despite the the time that I've been doing it or the time that I have to do it or whatever it may be but when it comes to the things that I'm actually you know confident about creatively i I like to let things really sit and marinate and grow. And so I use time to my advantage when it comes to like the aging process of my projects. Because I might have a project where if I just let that be the end all be all in the first year, then it would have been just like, I don't know, mediocre. Whereas if I keep doing it year after year, it can turn into something that really has some foundation and some like oomph, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm thinking in my own practice, I haven't put out a show, produced anything in a year and a half, um, which sucks. <laughs> yeah but, but you know you obviously want to like automate like it's normal it's fine but it's like yeah. i get it it's like even if it's like six months it's like what am i doing now right but i i also know that i needed that time because obviously massive transition new city like new beginning needing to be grounded so i'm okay with that stillness because like you know you have a relationship with your creativity so if you're i feel well at least me mm -hmm. speaking for myself if i'm using too much i feel a little bit exhausted or burnt out um like i like i'm almost on this like assembly line of like i gotta keep putting out things yeah that like kind of sucked into the the culture right the faux culture of productivity right exactly so um, 
the more productive I am, the more creative I am, etc. The more virtuous you are, yes. the less the better you get yes. for your craft, the more dedicated you are. Yeah, like, it. yeah, obviously. The more creative I am, obviously, and the, how much I'm putting out, I am top top-notch creative person in the world right yeah and if um, you don't you're a bum it's fine it's fine um but you know obviously right now um i don't know about you Brittany. i haven't seen any shows in a while um um you know no, other than like streaming my friends shows but no, like not an in-person one no for sure obviously but it feels you know our world of presenting you know the stage at least the formal stage has there's a pause button there so there's a lot of fear in this unknown of how much time will lapse until we can open up our stages again safely and hold these performances with audience members present um and almost that fear of like well you know what happens to my creativity like do i need to apply it to something else do i need to move on from being an artist and look elsewhere or do i use this time now to like birth my masterpiece or do i just sit here and like just i don't know meditate or just be present with this moment and not necessarily with the intention of creating the masterpiece but just being present um at least i guess yeah so i guess what i'm saying Mm -hmm. is there's a fear of the unknown uh because of time at least in this time and space um i feel it and i understand it too when it's like the reflex of being solution oriented and like doing the the bright side all the time like that could only last so much but if i'm like reaching grabbing for something it's like i know that a year and a half is a significant amount of time but this is something um granted we don't muck it up too hard over here in the states sorry we don't know her um I see people, a little smattering of people who listen to us are from outside of the States. So, like, we don't know her. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway. But it will be over is what I'm saying. Um, this this pandemic will be over. Um, things will change. And some will be for the weirder or for the better. Like, I can't really imagine how much worse off it would be if it would be, you know, preventative or whatever it is. But... What I'm getting to is, it, you know, for we're dancers, we're going to go back into a dance studio and we're going to go back into classes and they're going to still be workshops and dance festivals where, you know, you'll get that little giddy summer camp feeling of having like hundreds of people around you that do the thing you do and you nerd out in the same way. Um, but yeah, I, I guess when this pocket of pandemic time... I try to, I know, I feel like social media message has, like, little waves of group thought for, uh, what, generation, and there's this thing going around when it first went down that some people were on the camp of, like, you know, we're on lockdown and it's time to become your prime self and your craft and, like, yeah, and then there's another side, it's just like, it's okay if you don't release that book, and I'm like, okay, 
both of them are true, but while I'm privileged enough to be in a place where this does lend me some kind of extra time in a way, um, I'm gonna do the things that I always told myself I didn't have time to do further or deeper, like, you know, do spiritual work or shadow work or, uh, or getting better at my craft and not just like technically but learning how to channel you know what i mean you just like black out in the booth and you're like i don't know what i'm doing but i'm doing it like i want to learn how to do that because i think that's kind of the point but i don't know yeah well (laughs) you know uh i haven't been on that train too of you know um quarantine is like phases so i think it was like the banana bread or making bread was like one of the phases. Um, I have not experienced that um, as uh, because I still go to work every day. But with that said, I think right now my creativity is more self-care and I'm trying to at least inform my creative practice with other artistic medium so visually work visual arts painting um i'm exploring that um true i'm doing this with you podcasting what um graphic design some visual stuff i've i feel that i am exploring my visual side yeah with my hands not my body yeah i would agree I would agree too. Um, and then painting, I'm making creepy sketches of characters. I'm also um, exploring different practices with my body, um, aka like I usually would do. You know, I'm I'm trying to train, obviously, um, or keep it keep myself going. But it's not just for physical reasons. I I, I exercise. I work on my my physicality because it helps my mental health but like doing other things like i used to i'm I'm a yoga instructor but i'm still have like my yoga practice but i've added like hit classes and i know i have a relationship with that which we can not worry about but um yeah it's not very deep it's just exploring different things running outside doing hit classes from youtube's um that's what mine looks like right now sounds very artistic but in a non-artistic way maybe yeah yeah and i feel like sometimes it's about we we have no i don't know our brains always want to compartmentalize and organize what's what but some things are art And they don't have to be capital A art, and they don't have to be, like, the things that are listed in an educational institution under the Department of Art um, to be it. Sometimes it's, like, I don't know. It could be vague. Anything that is any kind of practice that teaches you about yourself or the world or as a way for you to communicate can be that i think it's just like a 
it's like a state of mind. Like some people I know in performing arts, some people are more on the side of like, I'm an artist and I'm here to Englishman. And then some are like, I'm an entertainer and like I live to, you know, connect with the people who are taking in what I'm, or picking up what I'm putting down. It's all about like that uh, relationship where some people are like teachers first. Um, and I know that's one thing which like, Honestly, okay, I've been teaching since, what, I was 17 years old, and then I started in the schools for, uh, like, teaching art history and, like, school nutrition programs uh, for, what, five years, six years. I'm tired, and so I've stopped, like, probably a year before Ron Ron, so I'm not even going to be like, Ron, I took away my student, like, no. Same here. Can you relate? Is there a burnout being a teaching um, Just a pinch, a yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Haven't yeah. taught in, uh, what, a year and a half, and um, I'm okay with it. <laughs> but I do miss my students, but I'm really okay with oh, it. Oh, yeah, the kids are always, you know, here for the kids, leave for the administration. <laughs> anyway, um, but I guess my point is that year before – you know, even all of this went down when I stopped, uh, got off of the wheel a little bit of teaching, saying yes to everything. Um, because, you know, the one thing that these organizations will do is take up all your time if you let them. And I was glad to have my time taken because that's what made me feel important and productive and whatever, whatever. Oh, funny. Felt that too. Yeah. But it's like, I wish I did have the, I honestly did wish I had the stamina to, like, deal with the BS that you have to in order to teach these kids. Like, you would think it wouldn't be so difficult to be like, hey, uh, we got all this money to put a program somewhere. Like, you would think. But, like, you know, long story short, it is. I, I also think that stamina, because I don't, time has taken away my stamina but I also know that I still have stamina. It's just because I don't ha- I didn't have the boundaries that I needed in place right. to keep myself going. So it wasn't necessarily about, for me, teaching that was taking my stamina away. It was teaching. It was producing. It was working another gig, um, two other gigs, yeah. um, commuting, driving, being in my car for how many hours a day, going from point a to b to c yeah like serving bartending like finding out that of like a massive percentage of people who manage those places should not be around people even <laughs> and quitting because of that over and over again um shout out to chicago hospitality <laughs> stay strong um <laughs> but you know i i think it, it, i think Having boundaries and developing boundaries, um, it's hard to create them. Yeah. And then once you do, it's hard to maintain them. And it's also hard to not feel that guilt, perhaps, at least from my experience, hard to not experience any guilt when I do set those boundaries up because you know well, what is it about it is it the is it a people pleasing thing or is it a, like a i don't want people to be actively i don't want people to think about me in any kind of negative way ever probably i mean yes it's people pleasing it's it's just part i guess 
of my brand of perfectionism. But I have a hard time saying no because I also want to... It's not that I want... I don't like to collaborate. It's nothing to do with wanting to ask for help in that kind of way. It's just more like I have this belief that I am capable of everything and anything and that I can do everything and anything um, with all my gusto 100% of the time. Um, but... Which is a pleasant myth. But, yeah, but then I also realize the importance of nurturing these other aspects of myself. So, you know, spending quality time with my my partner, my family, my friends, myself, um, like, just, you know, the self-care things that you need to do um, to just to nurture that. So you can be have stamina and or and or the endurance to just keep on keeping on yeah you gotta reload okay well what would you say have you been making you i feel like you're self-aware of like i am this part perfectionist in this part uh you know whatever else you got going on are people pleasing <laughs> What are some strides or even just, like, practices that help you not just become aware of it, but, like, figure out what kind of shift you're trying to make, if you are? I am, I would say I'm still figuring out what that mm is, that that fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. Um, But within this last year, stillness has been my, like, biggest my biggest thing um in in order to find out what the next step should be so i can have more clarity around what that next step should be um marinating in my thoughts marinating in my ideas writing them down even talking them out to myself that's um that's yeah even in when it's in a mo in a space like Let's say, like, if we're talking about my people pleasing, like, I need to take like a few steps back. I have to sit in the stillness and not jump to conclusions, especially when it comes in, comes to interactions with other people and making assumptions about, you know, what they they're thinking or what they're feeling. Because nine times out of ten, uh, they are not thinking anything. <laughs> I'm thinking they are thinking about me. Uh, I, I quote memes, you guys, because I'm an intellectual. There's a meme <laughs> that's like, oh man, something about talking to God or something. It's like, and I told God to protect me from all my haters. And then God said, man, nobody thinking about you. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's that's actually it. That meme is me. That's anxiety, not people. Talking yeah. about your back. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, what about you, Brittany? How would you answer this? Well, um, I don't think I'm that much of a perfectionist. I am a perfectionist. I, I guess I'm a... Sorry, oh. I'm not laughing. <laughs> I'm going to spit on you a little bit when I... Sarah's <laughs> petting my leg. Ooh. Anyway, um, I'm a, I guess I'm a perfectionist about um, finishing shit. Like, 
Yeah. I've had to do so much, like, indie production for pretty much, like, a majority of my adult artist life. And so it was... There are a lot of circumstances where, like, whether or not I was on my shit would depend on if it would even happen. And so it's kind of safe into my everyday. And, like, even projects that are supposed to be for fun, I'm like, the deadlines! We gotta do this! Is everybody still in it? So, like, I guess the way that I work with that is... Hmm. I guess it's just experiencing things over and over again. Like, figuring out what the scale of deep each project or each act of whatever I'm committing to. Like, I could take things... It's not that I take things, like, super seriously. I'm just, like, an intense human, I think. So, like, everything's gonna have, like, emotional and energetic torque. And, uh, you know, when you're collaborating with people who maybe don't have the same torque all the time or isn't, like, a hype about everything all the time, it could, you know, I guess just learning I, th- I do most of my learning through collaborations and like large collaborations and small projects where i'm in any kind of leadership position because coming up um as a youngin and beyond i had a lot of examples of the kind of leadership that i didn't like and that i didn't want to become and so i i kind of do that to myself i i am my own company member after rehearsal at a bar with the other company members talking shit about the director not that i've ever done that but i do that to myself (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. well yeah but then i i think what i hear in because it sounds like similar to myself is like there's just a level of that inner that inner critic Mm-hmm. Slash that, like she reads me. She reads you, and then also it's like a level of trust in the process, mm-hmm. trust in time, trust in the process, and then trust in other people too. But then also yeah. having the boundary to know a better identify. Like if you have those boundaries, then you can better identify circumstances that are beneficial or not beneficial to to your order of operations my order of operations yeah it's mostly just telling myself to chill out and you know trusting myself and others but on that note we're gonna take a little bit of a break we're gonna see you in a little bit Jasmine Ashley Marie Harlan is a certified holistic nutritionist, a wellness coach, professional dancer and choreographer, maker of them tasty things, and my big sister. She'll be hosting a virtual wellness retreat. We'll be learning all kind of things like what individually is good for us nutritionally, some movement, some stress reduction, truly everything to lift them and get your wellness on. It's going to be every Monday starting October 19th. If you would like more information, you can go over to her Insta. That is Jasmine Harlan at J-E-S-M-I-N-E-H-A-R-L-I-N. 
ahead and take a link in her bio. Be a ground paper ticket. So we will see you there. Hi. Yes. Okay. We've rambled on and on about time, creativity, our process, our relationship to it, our shortcomings, our longcomings. Um, now I want to get into a little bit about, I guess, our role. Like just yeah, what it's in context to when we think about time and creativity and who we are as people who make in this time and space. Um, so the term cultural producer is one of my favorite uh, vocabulary words that I learned from my last job in academia. Um, and it was all about, because, you know, being in the educational world, it's all about, and the art educational world, it's about bringing up the next generation of cultural producers, which makes us right now uh, the present cultural producers. And what a job we're doing, guys. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, what, what comes to your mind when, when you hear the term cultural producer? Well, culture is to me, I define culture as a blueprint um, more than just perhaps, you know, your family's ancestry, but it's a blueprint of, you know, of yourself, your environment. Sorry, I scratched you, Brittany. I'm um, bleeding. Ah, but, um, you know, kind of think of yourself at the center of multiple concentric circles that make up you and uh, make up your environment. That's what I think of when I think of culture. Um, and then as a producer, you are, you have an influence on culture. Um, you have the ability to create change, to create influence, even if it's not, it's on that micro scale. Um, we all have um, the space and the time to, or the space and the influence to um, create change, whether it's positive or negative on, on our culture. Brittany? <laughs> <laughs> and you? And what yeah, do you want to add? That all sounds right. Uh, cultural producer, um, Chicago musician, amongst many other things. Uh, Nikki Lynette, we did a cute little event um, like the last month before we could live life freely. And she was saying, addressing a bunch of young artists, and she said that we and they and, you know, all of us were the curators of cool. And we get to decide mm -hmm. not corporations, not branding agencies or people who are just dedicated to influencing you to, you know, live your entire life one way for the uh, coin. That's that's not them. Uh, they are first influenced by us and then they kind of take it and run with it. And so it's kind of our job to switch it up on them, too. But that's like a whole other thing. Um <laughs> But yeah, being a cultural producer is one, a, a call to power. Um, there's always been power within the creative community. Um, this, uh, you know, as uh, you go back and 
learn all the historical and geographical elements of how artists were held in regard and you know this seems like a kind of an oddball moment in history to where they're like uh either putting you on the highest pedestal of fame and like fully plugged in or like um peasant trash uh creator person it just seems like you're one or the other but um really no matter if you're seen by society as this i don't know a little angel baby um pop icon calls an artist or someone who is you know struggling to pay them bills but still fighting the art fight or if you're doing the side whatever it is you're all taking part in creating um what is sustainable about our way of life what makes us human the not just the creations but the ideas and intentions behind it and what thought that it sparks and what it inspires um the quote-unquote everyday person to do which is truly everybody um yeah cultural producer it's a it's a bfd and i wish more people knew that they that they were that um what does bfd stand for big fucking deal big friendly deal if you like roll doll writer of the big friendly giant and charlie and the chocolate factory (laughs) (laughs) yeah i had to clear it up but Well, I feel like that kind of sets us up nicely to to segue into our excerpt. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Oh, wait. There's one more. There's culture producer. And then... Citizen artist. Yes. Citizen artist. Do we want to talk about that after? We review, we, uh, review an excerpt from one of our citizen artists and cultural producers. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. So, Larisha <laughs> Hawkins. Um, she's a professor at University of Virginia and has served at other universities as well as a um, professor, a community pillar. She is an artist and writer herself. I had that pleasure of meeting her at my first Ragdale um, residency experience. That's an artist residency in the Chicagoland area. Oh, Chicago artists, look it up, apply, do do it, get in there. It's fun. Um, but yeah, I met her. She was a real, and I don't say it to like knock down people who are just starting this uh, this social justice warrior game but she is a she has the experience she's she's someone who perhaps if you're picking up what she's putting down you should look to um for guidance for resource for um just an example of how to uh loudly proclaim what it is that you believe and what what you want done about it and how to be actively involved in that solution rather than you know only posing the the problem and and agreeing in consensus with your friends on the internet anyway um she wrote for comment magazine um an opening essay it is called dear america 
Um, so we're going to get into a little bit of an excerpt of that. But since we have the time, let's go into citizen artists. So same question for you, citizen artists as a term. What does it mean to you? Well, citizen artists, citizen artist, citizen artists. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, it, uh, again, the need to be activated um, as an individual, as a citizen of our culture, our society, and... I think it's an acknowledgement of time and perhaps not just like a redefining of time as this, this person, as this, um, this artist, this constructor, um, but maybe um, trying to think of a better word, another alternative word to redefine. But another way to use, utilize our, our time to have, again, that, that influence um, over society and maybe steer society in a positive direction, steer society to move forward collectively. And creativity is sort of that vessel, that means, um, that way of promoting the activation of, of us as, as people. Brittany? Cute. <laughs> um, citizen artist for me means plain and simple if you are a creative of any way and if you are an active member of the group of people that you are surrounded with in the place in which you reside you have the responsibility of a citizen artist to um as nina simone said right reflect the times um there is no such thing as that doesn't have anything to do with me. If you are an artist and if you are a public artist and someone who has been a part of the creative community and has engaged with the public in any capacity, um, understanding that you have that influence and it very much is your business because whether or not you feel it directly or not, um, what happens in the world and not just what's funneled through media, but the things as you see happen and unfold outside of the window over here in these parts in La La Land. It looks a lot like um, insane amounts of what's, you know, homelessness everywhere. Uh, it looks, yes, looks like homeless people everywhere and trash everywhere. Um, yep. <laughs> hit the mail on the end there. So, you know, maybe as a newcomer into, you know, of course there's homelessness in in Chicago, but I mean, I have to admit it looks a little bit different over here. Yeah. Um, but maybe as a citizen artists over here, um, my one of my responsibilities is to take what I naturally observe and consider it in what I'm using as. A platform which all artists have um, to communicate not saying that it has to be this whole obligatory we're not politicians um, but you know it's I think it's telling what you know in your heart exists just because of pure observation and uh, what's filtered through to actually being a part of your conversation um, so being a citizen artist, 
I think means just being honest about what you observe in the world, what you see in the world, what you want to manifest out in the world, knowing that you have a part in that. And the power to reflect it and create a change, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, think the only, I think the only other thing I would add to that is to know perhaps the part you play have played or your just know your role from the past or like past or not maybe just your role but mm-hmm. even learning about uh like we are new to la so learning where this homelessness issue why is it so why is it so um in la so just trying to understand and build context for yourself whether it's you've had an indirect uh, role or it has nothing to do with you and you, but you need that context so for sure yeah you and I met being citizen artists didn't we we did <laughs> uh-huh. yeah yeah you can dance. and you could do it very uh, you could do it uh, in a way that is received widely and well or a way that's not um it, it it's probably going to be a little bit more questioned than your pretty glossy work uh, that's commercially and aesthetically pleasing. But, you know, uh, that's that's another main thing to me with being a citizen artist is not just showing up, doing the song and dance and piecing out, um, but making yourself available um, as anxiety-inducing as that is to me. I don't know about you, but, like, when we do shows... And since it's theater land, you're just like, and I'm here to talk to you about it right after. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a part of it. It's I'm a part of it. Whining about it, but like no. it is like Ugh. definitely had my moments where people have come up to me after the show and they're like, oh my god, I need to ask, and I'm like, I don't know if I can right now. <laughs> um, but I would say that's my favorite aspect is the audience interaction because. I I firmly believe in audience participation and activating the audience beyond them just coming to see the show and and having inspiring, inspiring, did I say that weird? Inspiring the audience member to look beyond the stage to maybe do some research after the show. Like the show officially ends once the lights are turned off at the theater space. Um, but once they get home, maybe they talk about it with a friend. They engage in a, a conversation. Yeah, that's when it's um, juicy, fun time. Yeah, they they do a Google search. Maybe they look up some. A simple Google search can do wonders. Uh, you know, wonders. they they find that some other organizations. Maybe they use social media to connect to organizations. They look for volunteer opportunities. They or they or they just purely just educate themselves on the issue that you're discussing um and i will say that um though of course that has it needs to exist it's not to say that if you are the capital e entertainer who's just out to make the people laugh and giggle and have a good time like of course that's that's just as valid and appreciated by the right but i'm sure the performer and the and the audience um 
But <laughs> um, I promise. I keep telling you, we're going to get to the LaRisha. We're going to get. But, you know, we just have one more thing. I want to uh, what set, a, set an intention for reading more of her words, if you will. And uh, just like last episode, we're going to have a mindfulness exercise and it's one of my faves it's the loving kindness meditation um sarah have you have you done before our our journeys in it have you done loving kindness meditations i have not surprisingly (laughs) i mean i've done it with you yeah but i i never you introduced me to it Okay. Yeah, and thanks for the introduction. Oh, no problem. It's a it's an emotional whirlwind, um, but I think it's very uh, emotionally grounding and worth it at the same time. So, without further ado, let's get into it. All right, everyone. Today's mindful moment exercise is one of my favorites. It's loving-kindness meditation, and with loving-kindness, we aren't just practicing self-love and love for others, but radical love. With that in mind, let's just go ahead and get settled in wherever you are, whether you're sitting, laying, standing, on a walk, Go ahead and get acquainted with everything you feel around you. If you're able to, you can close your eyes or set a focus point. One spot on the wall, on the floor. Just notice how the skin comes in contact with your clothes and maybe your seat, maybe the hair on your head making contact with the sides of your face or the back of your neck, perhaps your feet firmly planted on the ground. Next, we're going to bring attention to our breath, not changing anything about it, just observing. Little things like how the belly fills up with air and expands as you inhale and how it slowly deflates as you breathe out. Alright, if you would like to join me in setting an intention for this meditation, I would like to set my intention for our loving kindness practice as a practice in radical love. That being said, the way to start our journey to radical love is with ourselves, of course. So, whether eyes are open or closed, I want you to mentally bring the image up of yourself 
want you to think of the relationship you have and the regard you have for yourself. Not just what you provide to you, but just the mere presence of being there for yourself. And in this connection, we're going to wish just a few loving kindness wishes of manifestation. We can come together and say to ourselves, I wish you love, I wish you prosperity, I wish you abundance, I wish you light, I wish you understanding. I wish you to be understood and held in high regard. I wish you peace. Go ahead and wish anything else of loving kindness you would like to for yourself. And sit in that love that you've just sent to yourself. Sit in that gratitude as we take this nucleus of ourselves and vibrate outward, ripple outward. And then that next ripple, that next orbit out from ourselves, we had those the closest in our lives, the true loves of our lives, family, chosen or real, a little bit of both. Whoever we have chosen and whoever has chosen us. And in that holding of space for our closest in orbit, we say, I wish you love. I wish you respect. I wish you growth beyond your wildest dreams. I wish you so much peace. Go ahead and feel yourself sending those well wishes of loving kindness out from yourself, from your infinite source of love within yourself out to your people your person. Using the energy from that gratitude, let's ripple out to our second orbit out, our close friends, our, our family members that we don't get to see all that often, but we love just the same, whoever that is for you. Let's send some loving kindness well wishes to them. Let's say, I wish you joy. I wish you fulfillment in your purpose in this world. I wish you peace. I wish you prosperity. Prosperity. 
I wish you abundance. Let's go ahead and send out those loving kindness, well wishes, and send that appreciation for these loved ones. Let's ripple out even further to our community members, our maybe to be friends, maybe it's our internet people <laughs> that we've never met but still got love for. That next ripple out, that next orbit out, let's give them some well wishes, some loving kindness. Let's say, I wish you creative fulfillment. I wish you love. I wish you growth. I wish you feelings of support. I wish you peace and understanding. As we go ahead and send those wishes out from ourselves, we ripple out to the acquaintances of this world, the people that you may have just held eye contact with for a moment on the sidewalk and kept it moving. People that you might not even know at all, but are your fellow people. Let's go ahead and send those Loving kindness, well wishes out. I wish you love. I wish you fulfillment of purpose. I wish you peace. I wish you prosperity. I wish you joy. Now, as we ripple outward, This ripple is for those of us who may have intentionally or not actively hurt us in this life. Not so much our enemies, but the people we maybe put on a shelf the ones we don't like to bring up too often, the ones that are the source of us needing to heal. Now we say for this one, to the best of our ability, to the best of our ability, let's see what loving kindness and well wishes we can send out and remembering that Love and the ability to send out love is our power. 
never a weakness. With that, let's send out to the best of our ability, to the best of my ability. I wish you peace. I wish you growth. I wish you understanding. I wish you love. I wish you real love to the best of my ability. I wish you forgiveness. Let's go ahead and ripple out to every single living thing on this earth. Everything that vibrates on a frequency to our plant friends, <laughs> to our animal buds, every human, just everything that brings energy and life to this world. And we wish one more love, gratitude, abundance, enjoy. All right, kiddos, time for a break. High Concept Labs is located in Chicago, Illinois, in the neighborhood of Pilsen, inside of the Mana Arts Contemporary Building. So, if you are a Chicago-based artist of any kind, visual or performative, we are inviting you to apply to be an HCL, that's High Concept Labs, artist in Receive as a part of the Artist in Residence program with the Concepts Labs is studio space, free documentation of work, and a thousand dollar stipend. So, if you're into art, sugar mama, and if you are a Chicago-based artist and want to go to highconceptlabs.org. Review the application process. Again, the application has been extended to So plenty of time to get those work samples together, to start writing out what your ideal plan for creation and production is in the amazing environment of high concept labs as a former HCL artist in residence. Board of directors are wonderful. Support is great. The facility is everything you could hope for for someone who needs space. If that happens to be you, so go ahead, apply. I can't wait to see what you create. We have 
just finished our loving kindness meditation thank you Brittany, for that um hey you're welcome pretty cool man um i wanted to tie in a another excerpt from larisha hawkins essay dear america um, this is specifically from the section titled politics profits and hope a hope based on remembrance, understands that justice will not be accomplished with the aid of anemic history. The rocks will cry out for justice if we won't. Indeed, they are groaning now. How are we to hope while reckoning with the pain of memory and the bitter truth of history? Hope must be informed by history because hope is always juxtaposed with memory of the thing hoped for justice not achieved the prophets of the hebrew scripture are archetypes of hope infused with memory and history they see the writing on the wall because their memory is informed by the tragic and yet they hope prophets are precious they hone the eyes of their hearts to see injustice but this is because they've done the body work soul work and footwork to see injustice. They see people with eyes of their hearts. They see people as vulnerable and they imagine deify people. They wrestle with God in their hearts about injustice. Prophets proclaim the truth. They can be reticent to do so like Moses before Samuel before Jonah. Samuel had to share a difficult word of truth with Eli, but the truth eats away at them. The truth about ravages of injustice are difficult when they indwell in you. They are difficult words to share with family and friends, and this is why a prophet is without honor in her hometown. This is why Nathaniel said, Can anything good come from Nazareth of Galilee? Prophetic words are unsettling. That God sees injustice is bad news for kingdoms and peoples content to discard the window, the orphan, and the immigrant in favor of power of themselves. Once again, the banger words of Larisha Hawkins. <laughs> Yay! Burr, 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 burr. Thank you for your words, Larisha Hawkins. Miss Hawkins. Anyways. Miss Hawks. Um, well, that's pretty much all for today, folks. But we, <laughs> we want to leave you... That is all, folks. With a few thoughts. Thinking about this last excerpt. Thinking about how do we unlearn our history. How do we think about our past to help us in the present to direct our future. What is the significance of of time on your creativity and how are you activating yourself let us know those super not existential questions and like a like a 10 word response you know in a dm or something you know uh but thanks thank you guys for listening um rate review subscribe be our friends question mark <laughs> Bye. Bye. Mindful Grooving is an Egun Artists production. Hosted, edited, and produced by Brittany Harlan and Sarah Maslenka.
Our music was graciously produced and created for this podcast by Boyang Matsupola, Josh Luis, Kenny Leftridge, Mateo Mendoza, and Nicholas Nieves. Thanks, guys. <laughs> if you would like to follow up with us, chat with us in the meantime, in between time, go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram at Mindful Grooving. Spelled just like the show. Look at that. Tell us what you think, what you feel, what you love, what you can do with, without. We want to hear from you. Thank you so, so much for listening. We will see you next time. Peace and love. Thanks for grooving with us. Bye.